Welcome to Brand Meet Creator Podcast, a place where we pull back the curtain of what it means to be all in on social media. So get ready to kickstart conversations about the social media world with a little leave nothing off the table transparency, or maybe more than just a little. Your girl has yet to learn the art of a filter. So tuck in. It's time to bring some solidarity to the influencer and brand space. Within this episode, we're breaking down new Australian regulations that ban influencers from receiving products such as cash or samples to promote various health products. I've brought Sonia along because we know we need her hot takes. Let's jump into the episode. A couple new recent things that have come up in the influencer marketing world, first of which being the Australian, which just posted a post that says influencers will be banned from receiving perks such as cash or samples to promote skincare and other health products. The new TGA advertising code allows influencers to give testimonials for products, but only if they receive nothing in return. So no gifted goods, no payment, no nothing. And for me reading this, my first thought was this is such a career ending move for beauty bloggers. That's terrifying. And I understand why Australia is bringing this out. They're cracking down on the practice of influencers pushing these health goods when they don't know what they're talking about. So if you're talking about, you know, the fit 19 year old that's holding a protein powder in her hand, that's saying this is what you need to do to lose weight. That's very different than your beauty blogger that's showing something with skincare in it and showing off her experience, her journey. So the couple of things to to lay out what more of what they said, the things that will not be allowed to for influencers to post in exchange for any kind of anything are sunscreens, protein powders, vitamins, supplements, skincare for acne, medicines, and skin lightening products. So Sonia, what were your initial thoughts on all of this hubbub? Um, I definitely was shocked. I think that this is a drastic step towards regulation. Um, looking at things more closely, I was really interested in the categories that they selected because it's not skincare as a whole. There is like a um, little asterisk there that is um, skincare specific to acne treatment as well as SPF. Mm-hmm. And both of those in globally, they're all regulated completely differently, but they are more of a category that's seen as medical grade. So something that is in relations to being a doctor or a physician in terms of how mm-hmm. you use that. And there are a lot of specifics, even in the United States, as to how you're allowed to promote products um, as a marketer in the beauty industry, especially around SPF um, and around anything that like clears up acne or lightens skin whatsoever. So looking at the categories, I can see why they want there to be more regulation. But I was a little concerned as to why they made it such like a hard stop. And there wasn't any sort of option as to... If you complete some sort of a training process or if the brand has some sort of an education onboarding, then it's allowed. Um, And they were also saying that you had to take down anything that was posted prior as well, which I thought was quite 
stringent. So, um, you know, lots it of felt things- like a burn down the house kind of kind yeah. of situation. Like we're not fixing the root cause of the problem. We're not going to the company and saying, you know, your claims need to be tested. You need to fix your product. Like you have fillers in your protein powder. That's a problem. Instead, sure. we're going just to the marketing and we're saying influencers, you get to take every ounce of blame for all of this. Sure. I mean, I think while it does feel that way, like the influencers are taking all the blame, I think it's also blame on the brands, right? They'll lose a ton of eyeballs, a ton of conversions by Mm -hmm. not being able to advertise through influencers any longer. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's going to be hurtful for both sides 100% because then the only other option is going to be more traditional forms of advertising, even more traditional forms of digital advertising, which either might be more expensive, might be more difficult to do, um, isn't going to be able to target the same type of audiences. You know, these types of marketing all go hand in hand. So when you lose a piece of the puzzle in terms of like your marketing structure, it can become very difficult. So I think, you know, eliminating any sort of influencer option um, in these categories Uh, can be pretty detrimental to a business as well as, of course, the influencer who's no longer going to be able to take payments um, or even gifting for these types of things. The other caveat that I kind of saw was that you can still post about it as long as you're not talking about your experience, as long as you're just posting about those medical claims. It seems like such a weird thing to, to harp on because that's the journey is part of it. You know, that review process that influencers can bring, like, isn't that the heart of influencer marketing is you're taking these influential people and you're saying, okay, what was your experience with it? If I'm not telling about my journey, my experience with a skincare product, with a vitamin, then how can I really tell you all about it other than like, I've been using this for three months, insert all of the salesy key points that the brand wants you to put in there. Like, For sure. I mean, I think that there is an in-between, right? Because what you're describing even like may not be the best form of using influencers, where if you just said like, I've been using this thing and then that's it, you know, no one that really get the point across. Um, But also I think in these categories, there has been historically people, um, brands and influencers who allow there to be kind of like a one and done philosophy, they get paid to say a vitamin as well. They get paid to say they like a supplement and they don't know the science behind it. And in that respect, I do think that, you know, the Australian government has a point. There should be more regulation. And I think that's like a global scenario. Part of the problem with influencer marketing and why we're losing some steam right now and some credibility is because there has been distasteful programs that have launched where it's very clear that people just got paid to say the thing and post the thing and then it was over. Right. Um, right. And in areas like pharmaceuticals and areas like skincare where there are a lot of marketing dollars, there's maybe not the same thoughtfulness. So I, you know, I recently brought up to you the Vogue Business article where they were talking about a skincare group in the UK that is mm-hmm. forming um, a, I believe it was a six part module that would take over eight months of training around uh, skincare and ingredients and what certain things do specifically for influencers. And I think something like that is a great first step 
in yeah. terms of saying like, can we start offering influencers then certification if they like, or additional education if they like? Um, can brands and influencers come together and say, hey, we still want this part of the marketing journey to be communicated by influencers, but you know, maybe people are right. Maybe we need to have some more stringent check boxes here before someone's allowed to speak about something, especially something that's medical grade. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think offering them that like, hey, we'd like to have you in a campaign, but you have to get through this training first um, to make it viable, I think is a great Mm -hmm. middle ground, right? It shows that an influencer is willing to put in the time and effort to communicate things properly to their audience. And it shows that the brand is also concerned and invested in making sure that their product is being communicated correctly to audiences out there. So I think there is a middle ground in that maybe the Australia's first step is a little bit too harsh. Yeah, I think their their first step is definitely too harsh. I could definitely see, you know, bigger programs like that coming about industry-wide. And if something like that was pushed further than that and regulated like that, I think that would be amazing. Like, yeah, of course I want my health influencers to know that you should have third-party testing on all your supplements. Of course I want that. Like, that's not, I feel like that's not the question. That's not what the issue is. And to take that a step further, one of the things, actually, the thing that hit me the hardest with all of this, this hubbub on the Australian's post was really the comments. And the comments are inundated with brilliant. Half of them have no idea what they're promoting anyway. Like, they're all sellouts. They need to go get an education. Like, all of this stuff that was really just bashing and cancel culture to influencers in general. And I I just can't, nah, the poor whittle influencers, boo-hoo-hoo, 300 likes on that comment. Like, that's so outrageous. These people I mean, I think it just shows a lack of respect for influencer marketing. You know, the lack of respect there is, I think, really difficult. And I think that is something that in the U.S. we've been working specifically very hard on to stop giving influencer like a bad rap, right? Like there's nothing wrong with being an influencer. So many people of Gen Z right now list that they'd like to become influencers or creators. And so I think- they're what I want to be when I grow up. You're totally right. Exactly. And um, while for some people who maybe don't get it, it might seem cringeworthy, I think it's just a lack of respect. And Mm -hmm. I think part of that came because as with anything else, like reality TV in general, like you don't understand the work that goes into it. They don't understand the business acumen, the deals, all of that, what it takes to really create a big community that you can survive off of as a full-time job. Like I think people just Mm -hmm. see it and they say, oh, it's so easy. And they don't realize the work it takes to do it. Um, And On the other end of that, I think that there have been plenty of influencers at the top of their fame that did stuff that was cringeworthy. They took partnerships where they are holding up a a vitamin that doesn't make sense. And, you know, we've we've seen the wave of that. And now I think we're at like this, I don't know, great reckoning where people who have done. You also have the people that the people that get flagged by the, oh, what is it called? The regulation FTC. agency that's about disclosing mm-hmm. your partnerships. What is, what is FTC. that? The FTC. Oh, thank you. Yeah. The mm-hmm. people that get flagged the most by that are like Kim Kardashian, like your big name people with millions and millions of followers. It's not your, your 
5k influencer. It's not your 20k influencer. It's not your 100k influencer. And it's really those people that I think have brought it brought down the name, which is so unfortunate because I wouldn't even call Kim Kardashian an influencer at any point in her career. Like she is a celebrity. That's very different. I agree. And I think that in the US specifically, like people don't trust that anyone is going to disclose ad. People do not trust that they're even going to disclose gifted. You know, influencers are convinced that if they post things using the um, partnership tools inside Instagram, that they Mm -hmm. are punished for it. They'll get shadow banned. That they get shadow banned. There's like so, there's so much um, inconsistency there. And, you know, I think I can recall at one point there, there being an FTC investigation into something, but the irregularity of it is so high. And I think for this industry to be taken serious, it needs to have the same rules and regulations that other industries have. You know, as a marketer, yeah. when I go to run ads, I know, like, I can't run them for under 18. I can't use drugs or alcohol. Like, there's so many mm-hmm. uh, regulations in place in terms of targeting and how things are run that it baffles me that for an industry that has billions of dollars flowing through it every single year <laughs> and has with consistency for many years that the FTC has not created more of a task force or more of a focus on regular uh, penalties or whatever it may take. While I don't want to see anyone get penalized, I do want to see uh, respect for the industry right. and you know, rules that everyone has to abide by and no more shady marketing pro- practices. So, you know, if it means that some people have to get the slap on the wrist from the FTC, then that's very unfortunate. But it really is the, I think, one of the ways that we're going to get to having more respect for the industry as a whole is if everyone follows the rules. I think so too. And I think one of the biggest issues is that when you jump into it, there is no rule book. It's so cloak and dagger that when you're first starting, Mm -hmm. you don't know the rules. You don't know that you have to disclose gifted. You don't know that you have to. One thing that I learned the other day, well, I I don't know if it was the other day, but I reiterated with a lawyer the other day was that you have to put the fact that it's paid on the video itself if you are marketing a product in a video. So it can't just be in the caption. It has to be in the video. And of course, only your Kim K's, I'm sorry, I'm picking on her right now, are going to get flagged for that. But (laughs) your huge TikTok stars are going to get flagged for that, not your little blogger. But no one does that. No one, no one puts that disclosure in the video themselves, itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did start to see that as a trend when we would do a lot more sponsored Instagram stories. This is before Reels Mm -hmm. came out. But now with Reels or TikTok videos, I haven't noticed it at all. It's only in the Mm -hmm. captions. And I, you know... What tends to happen, and this happens, I think, with what tends to happen, and I think this happens over all industries when they're new and emerging and things are changing, is that we create a set of established rules for something, and then the whole platform and the whole technology changes. And mm-hmm. the rules are not then rewritten and recommunicated in a way that makes crystal clear sense. Like if it is that you have to put ad on everything, but that was established before you even had reels or even or TikTok was even launched in the United States. Like why would anyone start to think that that's applied to those things? It's like, oh, well, that was that was before we had these other things. Right. So 
without constant communication to influencers as a whole, it's just, you know, pretty difficult. Do we think influencers need to be unionized? <laughs> I I don't know. It's a great question. I've never been part of a union. And I don't know a lot about union rules, but I mean, there definitely has to be more regulation. 100%. It would also start there. It would also start the process of regulation for pricing. So yeah, you know, that is, Ooh, that's a tricky one. Ooh, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I know that's why I threw it at you instead of me. <laughs> I mean, uh, what is the you join the union Harley? Wait, would you join a union? I don't know. Would you join like the influencer union? I guess it depends on like what sort of protections well, and things that they were. Offering. What is it called? Okay. So I know that SAG-AFTRA is kind of that version for actors and that includes influencers. So we're like kind of moving that way. We're taking those steps. And I think it would depend on the perks and the, the, what I need to do to get into it, you know, because I wouldn't go to SAG right now because I'd be like little old me like that's going to be really hard for me to get in it would be really hard for me to even get it's really hard to even get verified like all of those steps just make it really hard as a small influencer so when is it actually worth it to jump into something like that like I just don't I don't know I mean I definitely think it would be in the best interest of the you know SAG team to create a subdivision just for influencers or digital mm -hmm. creators. And I know that there have been attempts at, you know, creating um, agent, not agencies, but like influencer founded, uh, like teams or regulations, uh, especially during COVID, where people were saying that mm -hmm. this was going to be like a self-regulated body um, with a board of people that were both influencer and mm -hmm. brand and talent manager that would help better establish regulations and give people advice as to how to protect themselves against potential right. issues with brands. And I do think that something like that needs to happen, but I don't know that it can be something that's just like, oh, um, we're popular and we've been in the industry a long time. We'll just decide to create it. I think it has to be something that honestly comes from the government, which seems... I do too. <laughs> it seems quite severe, but at the same time, you're thinking like, this is a multi-billion dollar business. We're talking about like spending out right. what to do, and it's something that is affecting young teens. It's something that is affecting brands and economies. And like, why wouldn't the government get involved and say, hey, we'll put together like a small... Uh, you know, regulatory board and influencers can pay their dues every year and they'll be protected under these rules and regulations. Right. right. And I think if it came from someone in the showbiz world, it, it would make sense for me. Like if it was on the SAG side, that makes tons of sense. But if it's just government, like I think this is the initial problem with the Australian regulation is no one knew what they were talking about when they step into it, they knew about the health side, they knew about the the marketing side, maybe of the implications on the consumer, but they didn't know the on the ground level issues. So I think that's the problem is government stepped in and they said, here you go, consumer. And there's no regard for the fact that Instagram's changing every day. Engagement is changing. I saw a client have a 30K pay cut recently because budget is gone, all in quotes. And like, that's just, you know, that's 
the industry is really hard. There's a lot of competition right now. So you're telling me this needs to come now when people are struggling to keep up and are really worried about their engagement and are struggling to pay bills. Like, I just uh, I have a problem with that. Yeah, I think it, I think it'll be a very interesting area to watch and see if it does um, fully go into effect and what actually happens with influencers based in Australia if they do start taking things down. Um, or if they get fined or what exactly happens. I mean, just like the FTC, it's a lot of people who hear the threat, but they aren't scared. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I think Australia is a little bit different. They have a little bit, maybe a little bit tighter hold because it's a smaller group. But I think in the U.S., definitely, I don't think influencers are scared. I don't think that they feel like they need to disclose or use ad or follow all the rules because they're like, it's not going to happen to me um, because right. I think it's been a long time before we've seen anyone of the common level, let's call it, not right. gay, get in trouble for anything. And I mean, even, so- I mean, we're, we're talking in the hundred K realm. Like that's not yes. on it. I had a client that gained 50 K last season, like over the weekend, like, that's that could happen overnight, you know. That's not something that that is out of this world nowadays with virility. Sure, for sure. And you know, do, is this something where it like kicks in at a certain follower count? Is it something that it kicks in at a certain engagement rate? Right. Like, is it both? Exactly. And with the opening of creator economy and you know Instagram, you know democratizing links for all, then who's mm-hmm. to say that everyone? shouldn't be disclosing things that you know if I get gifted something from one of my brands that I work with should I be disclosing that I'm using that product because they gave it to me should I be saying you know like I get a discount from Rent the Runway because I you know supply their code to my friends like I don't know I don't even right. have a thousand right. followers again yes so after the great right. fall, I'm like barely working my way back to a thousand. But like, at what point is the threshold where you're sort of like done being a quote unquote Instagram commoner and then you've become like an Instagram influencer or a creator? I have a friend that calls that a normie. <laughs> I'm done being a normie and now I'm an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I like. I said Instagram commoner. I don't think either one have, are very. <laughs> I don't know if that's better. <laughs> I know. I don't think either one are very positive. That's definitely not how I refer to people ever. It's only how I refer to it's myself. Not, I, not how I refer to normal people. Just for me. Never <laughs> Girls that get it, get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> I really think this opens up a whole new can of worms with also the believability of influencers when they do disclose that ad. And I want to dive deeper into that with you next episode, but we are hitting our time cap right now. So thank you so much for joining us, Sonia, as always. I love having you here and I love being able to break down all of this jazz. You know where to find her. She's linked in the show notes and we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brand Meet Creator. If you loved it, rate, review, subscribe, and of course, share. For more on how you can create, influence, and get paid, come hang out with me on Instagram at Harley Jordan.